minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Bryce Wild is a leading health expert and clinician at P3 Health in Toronto, co-founder of Utrients, CINO at Brain Armor Inc., author of three best-selling books, previous host of CTV's Wild on Health, and a regular guest and health expert slash medical advisor on the Dr. Oz show. Bryce Wild, welcome to the show. Anthony, sir, how are you? Good to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Let's talk a little bit about immune modulation. You and I were chatting offline about some of the things that you've been seeing in your clinical practice with Lyme disease not always being related to the presence of a bacterial infection, chronic fatigue not always being uh, related to Epstein-Barr virus. Can you speak a little bit to what is immune modulation and some of the misconceptions the medical establishment has in uh, the etiology of these diseases? Well, first of all, uh, to the latter point of uh, medical establishment, or for that matter, scientist or you know consummate researcher, you mentioned immune boosting. Uh, it'll throw them off the rails, and I don't blame them. I mean, you know, a lot of medicine, you know, sort of is really well rooted uh, within semantics, and so if we don't use the proper verbiage, I think we can easily get ourselves into trouble. Um, and, uh, it does start as it relates, especially this time, uh, and day as it pertains to this most recent pandemic disaster, uh, the immune system's top of everybody's mind. Um, you mentioned, uh, Lyme. I do see a lot of Lyme chronic fatigue, no matter what the virus or microbacteria fungus that we might be dealing with that I often refer to as the straw that broke the camel's back or that element that pushed that individual's, I call it human health threshold. Um, so, uh, where the immune system uh, essentially reacts as it should millions and millions of years is what, uh, you know, it's been doing vis-a-vis -vis microbes in our environment, uh, to adapt, uh, an ever growing immune system. By the way, just real quickly, uh, there's two parts of the immune system. Of course, what we're born into this world with, uh, and then one that is adaptive. So there's, there's one that ultimately we're born with, the innate immune system, and then there's the learned immune system. Two very, very separate parts of the immune system, which have all, also separately and together evolved over time to be able to deal with uh, infections. Um, Lyme disease is a tricky one. It's called the great imitator for a good reason. It can show up in so many different ways and so many different folks. There's a genetic backbone to it. There's an environmental component to it. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if, uh, if I do in fact find Lyme disease itself or any of the co-infections, I'm not always so quick to jump the gun that this is the ultimate highest contributing factor. What, what I mean by that, and let's revisit that semantic human health threshold, and then we'll come full circle to immune modulation. Threshold. This is one's ability to cope with all factors, no matter what their genetics, which factors in, but all aspects of health. So environment, stress, you know, nutrition and lifestyle, all of these things. What is it that, given your genetics, that becomes in disease the highest contributing factor that pushes you over that ability to cope? That's what I'm most interested in. And then factors, plural. I'll dig a little deeper if we can't quite bring you under. But for most of us, let's just call it the boiling point of water, you know, where that threshold is at about 100. Some of us, maybe 120, others a little bit weaker, 80, 90, whatever that is. 
if you really dig, and we leverage laboratory sciences in functional medicine, of course, dive deep into family history, personal history, and genetics. But if you were to come to realize that there was a sort of never well since scenario where there was a you know a Lyme tick, ultimately uh, Lyme disease ensues, everything else went to shit around that time. Well, that probably is the biggest contributing factor. But again, not always. You could be riding at threshold for a long time. And then this element, this disease or diseases, plural co-infections might hit you. Um, whereas you're just riding at your human health threshold and that pushes you over. Where really, perhaps in some individuals, 60% of the contributing factor was the fact that they rode chronic stress or the fact that they always carried 30 pounds too much around their midsection. No, those things actually might be that much more important than infection because we're meant to deal with infection. Now, caveat, sometimes our immune systems get confused i.e. autoimmunity. Sometimes we're simply overwhelmed because of a genetic predisposition. We can dive deeper and open up that, uh, that can of worms. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's really understanding one's individual human health threshold, te teasing it apart and, and then and trying, this is me as a sort of a clinician slash medical sleuth, trying to understand what is the biggest contributing factor. But here's the thing, as it pertains to immune function, the solution, the solution is almost always not boosting. And this is where we're going to come full circle to semantics. Boosting, you can't really do it. In fact, even if we could, it, it, as in terms of a numbers game, and we'll talk about it in terms, by the way, of that innate immune system. Forget learned for a moment, innate. So infection, you know, you're walking along a, a grassy knoll and you get a puncture wound and maybe there's tetanus uh, on that uh, particular item that punctures through you. Uh, natural killer cells are immediately run. Cytokines, the alarm bells go off, inflammation ensues quickly. Natural killer cells are called on scene, uh, neutrophils. And this is your in, innate system. It doesn't need to be taught what to do. It knows there's, you know, there's, there's been a permeation you know, through your skin and there's a foreign invader there. So it mounts a defense. These big Pac-Man macrophage-like cells that eat up pretty much anything. You want that on high alert. Now that's activation. You want to, and you can, you can enhance or boost an activation of natural killer cells, but not necessarily the amount of those troops, the amount of natural killer cells, nor necessarily would you want to, because over stimulating or trying to populate your immune system beyond which it's naturally supposed to you know, uh, work at, um, can actually turn you know otherwise functional cells into rogue cells, and then you have things like again autoimmunity, which is your own immune system attacking uh, your own tissue. Um, and the immune system is a hard thing to ever make forget. I should actually mention this as well. So people that have these cases of autoimmunity, uh, where there was once perhaps an infection, viral, bacterial, or otherwise, that the immune system started to get a little bit confused and start to attack you know, uh, its own tissue. Thyroiditis is an example, uh, perhaps. So you, know, you, you, you catch a high fever, your immune system sees these you know, protein-like sequences on these cells, attacks those and says, oh, it's actually very similar to this thyroid tissue, just in case I'm gonna attack that also. That's an example of autoimmunity. In that case, immune modulation is the name of the game. You can never make your immune system forget the fact that your thyroid tissue is something to constantly be uh, alerted to. Because if it could, if you could ever make your immune system forget, think about this for a second, all we would ever be is sick. And what I mean by that is if you had last year's flu um, and ultimately you, know, you expressed a reaction to that flu, uh, but then you recovered from it and then your immune system forgot, 
that flu ultimately would be something to continue to recycle. In our environment right now, there's 2017, 2016 flu that's circulating. But if you've had it, you'll never get it again. So what I'm getting at is if your immune system was ever given the chance to forget, um, then we'd be predisposed to being sick and die very young. That's all we would ever be is just sick one you know, uh, infection after, the, after another. So yeah, so the name of the game within natural medicine for sure, and what I do is immune modulation, understanding the issue, understanding the individual's predisposition to that issue, and then identifying what we call these cytokines, these pro-inflammatory molecules, which cytokines that are pro-inflammatory are too high, and perhaps those anti-inflammatory cytokines, these molecules that are responsible for dampening inflammation might be too low. And then I'll use specific botanicals and nutraceutics and certain vitamins and minerals and dietary components and so forth to balance, bring those pro-inflammatory cytokines down, those anti-inflammatory cytokines up and create uh, balance. And I know that was all over the place. Let's reel it in. Lots um, of gold there, lots of good stuff. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is, with COVID, there's been a lot of talk about boosting the immune system. What you found clinically is that most of the time, the challenge is an overactive immune system, but it's doing the wrong things. Maybe it's attacking the individual's thyroid or their joints. Um, and what, what needs to be done is we need to modulate the immune system so that it is better able to identify a foreign invader versus the body's own tissues. Absolutely. 100%. You got it. Bingo. So there's another pandemic that's going on right now, by the way, which is actually fueling this dysregulated immune system. And it's been going on for decades. Uh, it started you know, in the early days where fat was vilified and uh, sugar uh, was promoted. So fat-free foods, high refined carbohydrates that led to you know, obesity. Ultimately, that's the pandemic we're dealing with. But the, the underscoring predisposers are dysregulation of insulin, imbalanced blood sugar, um, and uh, that leads to, of course, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, and heart disease. All of these predisposers of which are really affecting folks that are having a hard time with this particular virus. The rest of us just, we, we aren't. And so what we do is we look at these folks and we say, well, what's the underscoring issue from an immune perspective? When you're carrying too much weight and your diet's prolific in the pro-inflammatory food variety, stress is high, you know, leading to heart disease and, and diabetes or pre-diabetes, pro-inflammatory cytokines are up, anti-inflammatory cytokines are down, that's dysregulation. All of these things that we can do to balance those things out, you've heard, it's, it's almost rhetoric by now, is exercising, losing the weight, eat, you know, eating a very moderate or low refined uh, carbohydrate diet. But then there are nutraceutics. I mean, this is, again, my area of expertise. Ingredients found within foods, I often tell my patients, you can't always necessarily eat yourself to therapeutic levels. And I don't just mean soil depletion. I don't just mean you know, trying to achieve the amount of vitamin uh, you know, see from, you know, spinach and oranges throughout the day. I mean, using these ingredients at such high levels that now they're orthomolecular, they're actually therapeutic dose or strength to be able to address the issue at hand. You know, I've got a couple of, you know, favorites. In fact, some of them are now being used in the ER and the face of COVID and that's therapeutic dose of vitamin D, vitamin C, N-acetylcysteine. Actually, the FDA right now is looking at whether or not uh, N-acetylcysteine or NAC should be reserved as a drug. Of course, it's been used in the ER for a long time vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, Tylenol or acetaminophen overdosing, help you detoxify that particular uh, dangerous uh, drug. And uh, quercetin, that's another uh, incredible bioflavonoid. A lot of folks are looking at that. 
Um, and then there's certain areas where I like uh, echinacea. Again, echinacea is less an immune boosting ingredient as much as it is perhaps an immune modulating ingredient in the right people. Elderberry, that's another one I love. All of these, <clears throat> all of these items are either botanicals, extracts of foods, uh, and or standalone uh, antioxidants that we can use to modulate the immune system. You're, you spoke a lot about the cytokine storm and, you know, increasing and decreasing certain cytokines. Let's say hypothetically, uh, someone walks into your clinic with, uh, they call it brain fog. And, and I know that's not a clinical term, but they just feel like they have a difficulty thinking, especially in, in the afternoons. Um, where do you start? Do you, do you run certain diagnostic tests to find out where their cytokine levels are? How do you sort of prioritize your, your diagnostic process with an individual dealing with some brain issues? Yeah, so it's a massive flowchart. I, I think maybe if you don't mind, I'll preamble that question around, uh, you know, especially as it pertains to brain health, my recent interest in brain health. My own mother, a few years ago, was diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's disease. Um, I quickly sorry then, about that. My, yeah, my dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's. I'm, I'm sorry about that as well. Yeah, these afflictions of the brain are not easy. Um, I should say too, with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, and ultimately the patient uh, or loved one does not die uh, from forgetfulness or from tremors. They die because their brain stops to communicate to their esophagus how to swallow or their heart how to beat. Um, it's an insidious, very very uh, sad. Um, process. So uh, I quickly turned to the work of Dr. Dale Bredesen, who wrote The End of Alzheimer's. Incredible. He'll mark my words. He will win a Nobel Prize for this work. So he subclassified very much to your point or question about how I might, uh, you know, my general patient population, subclassify, work out that human health threshold, the individuality, the genetics, their biochemistry, their stress, uh, their nutritional uh, habits. I'll look at all that. Uh, to help guide me as to where to then further investigate in order to set priorities. Uh, but, but that work showed me, and he's on track for, you know, he's published this work now having uh, reversed um, stage four and higher out of the seven stages of Alzheimer's, um, over 500 patients now. So to the point where they're asymptomatic. Now, if they stop his protocols, symptoms come back. Um, and that's because you can't tell the immune system to forget. Remember that. So that same concept. So, so these subclassifications are very interesting. And what are they? They are pro-inflammatory. They are vascular. They are dysglycemic. They are toxic. So, so where I'm going here is Alzheimer's is one big bucket. But what was that human health threshold? What component of the predispositions led to the final kind of straw that broke the camel's back and, you know, the, the, uh, the plaques and entanglement started to occur. My mother's it turns out happens to be one of the toxic varietal, right? Um, so still working on managing those toxins and, and chelating and uh, detoxifying her system, but um, uh, exposure to heavy metals. And of course, uh, pesticides growing up, she was uh, grew up on a farm in England. So that was the preliminary uh, exposure my dad as well grew up on a farm. And that's also quite actually understood with Parkinson's, one of the leading causes. I mean, look, we're still sitting in soil uh, and, and atmospheric um, uh, levels of toxicity of DDT remnant from like the late 70s. It's disgusting. And that cumulative effect. And again, if you don't have the genetics to, to, to warrant a ease, a facility of detoxification, um, these things go nowhere but uh, fat and the, and the nervous system. 
Uh, so we'll talk maybe about genes in, in, in a little bit. But so, so I and ended up, you know, my whole practice took this 90 degree angle with a major focus on brain and, and nervous system dysfunction. Prior to that, the biggest focus was more immune, uh, you know, immunological. And, uh, but the two fit so nicely. Uh, it was a big eye opener. Wrote the book called Brain Spanners, you know, which is all about educating my patients and the general public on how to go beyond just, you know, lifespan. As we know, that's how many years we'll clock on the planet, right? Um, health span, of course, is squaring that curve, as you all you know, know all too well and your listeners about squaring the curve. Biohacking is all about going from that sort of slow and insidious downward sort of slope past our you know, 60s into our 70s and living in an infirmed state. You're alive, but you're not healthy. But what is it that between the curve? What, is all the, what are all those things? And, and they're you know, free radical excess. They are uh, um, age end products. They're, they're, they're toxins. You know, they're poor metabolism, poor insulin. Um, sensitivity, all these factors. And we can learn from the centenarians, by the way, people that live beyond 100 in all these various pockets in the world. And I, and I did when I wrote the book. Um, but, but it goes, so, so the concept goes beyond even health span, which is squaring the curve. You could even live, theoretically, you can square that curve off and live very physically healthy um, until the end of days where, you know, God willing, hopefully you're just going to, you know, fall asleep one night and have a massive heart attack and not wake up at the age of 102. But you know, those last 10 or 15 years, you may not all, you know, be cognitively uh, as aware as you ultimately could be. This, 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 if I asked you, Anthony, what your blood pressure was, you know, what your weight is currently, your fat tissue percentage, you know, your, your VO2 max, you could tell me all these things. You could tell me what your average uh, blood sugar is at. You could tell me these things. But if I asked you what your hippocampal volume was or your omega-3 index for that matter, would you know? No. So th this is ignoring the most important organ in our bodies, right? Our brain it controls everything else. And you and I both have, you know, family history to prove that we probably should be thinking about it. So it's a question I'm asking everyone. And I'm actually not being rhetorical. I'm going to throw it back to you for just a second to prove the point. What have you done, Anthony DiClemente, today for your brain? What have you done for your brain today? So I, uh, I worked out earlier. Um, I did a short meditation and I've been doing some work and I'm fasted. So the only thing I've had is a little bit of, uh, black coffee and some, some fluids and, uh, taking some vitamins and supplements. Cheers, brother. Sounds Cheers. like our, ru our routines are very similar in that regard. There you go. So look, so, you know, a lot easier for you to answer than a lot of other folks where, you know, that stumbles uh, a lot of people. What have I done for my brain? I mean, I know that I exercised for my tummy or the excess fat I want to get rid of. I know I've meditated for stress. I know that I've had my vitamins for my immune system. And of course it does, you know, sort of all impact in positively in all those cases, the brain, but most folks don't think about it in that context. And that's what I'm asking people to do because at the end of the day, if all you do is everything you possibly can for your brain, every other organ, every other system, including immune function, wins. It wins out. So I guess, again, backing all the way up and, and, and full circle to the original question, um, you know, and, and, and how my, my practice and, and, and uh, what I do uh, day to day is taking now at this, more of this brain-centric focus to be a brain spanner. I'm asking people, it's like more of a movement than anything. Uh, join the brain spanners movement. It's doing all those things you just listed you're doing for yourself and more to live your longest, healthiest life possible with full mental faculty. That's what it's about. 
I, I love it. So <clears throat> what you're talking about with, with your new book, Brain Spanners, is how do you extend the performance of your mind? so that you're not in this state where your your brain and body are slowly breaking down during the past the the last few decades of your life. Um I'd love to talk about that. It, it, do you find that because I think with our society it's easy to want like we have this more is better approach and a lot of times we're we're taking more supplements or trying to exercise more or eat better rather than using the right diagnostic tools to figure out what is slowing us down. You know, is it, is it the toxicities that you mentioned, the pesticides, the metals, is it blood sugar dysregulation? Is it vascular issues or, uh, you know, a cytokine storm or an inflammatory? What, um, you know, what, what's your process like? Do you try to find, have you identified a few root causes of suboptimal cognitive performance? And if so, what are those? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and I agree with all that you're saying. In fact, there's, there's a, a, a concept. It's, it's beyond theory. It's been proven out in pharmacokinetics and so many other areas of science. Uh, one I'm sure you're familiar with is called hormesis. Um, and actually exercise is a perfect example of hormesis, right? Too little, and to your point, of exercise, not going to do much, right? You know, people that talk about, you know, exercise, I exercise, I go for a 15-minute walk a day. That's what we're supposed to do. We're bipedal. We are supposed to walk, even run, lift, jump, squat, push, pull. That's what our bodies are meant to do. So when somebody says they're exercising because they walk 15 minutes a day, uh, that's barely enough um, as it pertains to what your body is meant to do by default. Now, exercise is, is you know, you're going to receive benefit when you push yourself, you stress yourself, but too much, obviously, you're going to, it's going to result in injury. So uh, there's a hormetic balance or perfect sort of zone for exercise, just as there is for certain micronutrients. You know, if you over supplement, no good, under supplement based again in your biochemistry of the moment. And certainly there's a way that you can supplement for your genes. You know, when we study now for many years now, I've been looking at genomic pathways uh, that are responsible for whether male or female, the entire hormonal uh, cascade. Um, all the letter vitamins, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin E, vitamin A. Now there's some SNPs where we can talk about the detox pathways. And of course, executive function, you know, cognitive function. I've been a, a huge, so you asked the question, you know, is there certain things, especially for our brain? And you even said, you know, there was a term you said, the mind. There's a distinction there. You know, the, the cleaner and healthier your brain is, my strongest of opinions is the cleaner and healthier your state of mind is, the more likely you're able to do things like meditate and be in a positive state of mind. Because again, it comes back down to some of the genomics I'm very familiar with then that are responsible for the feel-good neurotransmitters. Some of us just don't produce enough serotonin or dopamine, both feel-good uh, neurotransmitters. They also regulate day-night cycles. Some of us don't produce enough melatonin. There's genes for all this stuff. But I've been most attracted to one in particular called BDNF, or brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So it's a neurotrophin which is kind of like a peptide, but it's a, sort of like a hormone at the same time. What it does is stimulate neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. If there's one thing that is most important to our brain is to maintain all of those things that boost um, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Uh, so our brains, we used to think actually of, uh, you know, sort of a late sort of um, preteen age, sort of a late, uh, early school age rather, um, 
we just stopped, our brain stopped growing. And, you know, adult brain only ended up sort of shrinking over time. Not true at all. You know, scientists have now come to realize that the 86 billion nerves and neurons in our brain are constantly dying off, being pruned, reconnecting, regrowing. In fact, within the hippocampus, you know, the center of the brain, the most important part of, of your brain related to memory and learning, uh, you can grow up to a few thousand new neurons every day, providing you're taking care of your brain, providing brain-derived neurotrophic factor is kept up, kind of like uh, uh, any other hormones are maintained. Um, and so I find this intriguing, fascinating, because um, you, know, you, you can literally change brain health in order to be your entire life growing new nerves, new nerve connections, new, uh, new, new abilities. And, and we've heard learning crossword puzzles and, and, and learning new languages and all that stuff. And that, I, I think that's great. I think it's necessary. But I'm looking at actually tweaking this neurochemistry using ingredients that have been scientifically validated to, to help you do this as well. For example, whole coffee fruit powder. I mean, from the mesocarp of the coffee, we're both having a, a cup of black coffee and still in, uh, in, still in fast mode before uh, either of us have our feeding windows, it seems. But, but brain-derived neurotrophic factor being boosted by the mesocarp or the external shell Proven in three human clinical trials, by the way, to boost BDNF so that I'm going to get better neural connectivity, better pruning, so dismantlement. Because don't forget, learning new things and forgetting old bad habits are equally as important, right? So that disconnect and reconnect. So there's just incredible things. I mentioned quercetin at the top as it pertains to immune function, which is an amazing bioflavonoid found in you know onions and brightly colored yellow and orange uh, varietal fruits and vegetables. But quercetin's also been proven to boost brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So anything you could do, even having a hot, cold contrast shower, and I'm, I'm sure you're familiar, maybe even in, you've been interviewed him, but Iceman Hop, that guy, you know, dip, dipping himself into, you know, uh, zero degree water. I mean, that stuff just, you know, fires up the, uh, the nervous system in a good way, um, the vagus nerve, and actually helps to promote uh, BDNF. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I'm into anything and everything that if I was going to sort of distill it down into one thing that's, you know, important for the brain, it'd be boosting BDNF. It's testable, both from a genetic standpoint, as well as circulating uh, serological BDNF levels. It's also so important, by the way, for recovery. You know, it's been studied in the, uh, in the NFL and contact sports. If you have, if a parent if a parent ever discovered that their child had a, you know, a double allele for the recessive, the BDNF form ultimately from the genetics perspective that doesn't really allow you to make as much optimal amount of, of BDNF, I would never have that child in contact sports and yank them out immediately. Uh, vitamin D, that's another one. Vitamin D helps to boost BDNF, um, sunshine vitamin. So boosting BDNF is key. The other thing is uh, the omega-3 index that we alluded to earlier. You know, this is taking red blood cells and analyzing because, you know, that, that phospholipid membrane everyone's familiar with, with you know, all the cells of your body is so important in the red blood cell uh, to be fluid, to allow things in and out, to detoxify, to bring in uh, nutrients. And it has to have a certain percentage of the essential fats embedded into its phospholipid membrane. The omega-3 EPA and more importantly, even DHA as it pertains to brain and for that matter, heart function. So this DHA and EPA conglomerate, this should be at least 8% or higher. And the research is unbelievable. This is oversimplifying, but in general, I would say you could literally reduce all-cause mortality 
by up to 92% by having an 8% omega-3 index or higher. Most of us walk around with a 4 or maybe 5%. You know, um, but achieving an 8% or higher O3I and you are staving off dementia, you're staving off uh, cognitive decline, you're improving your overall blood flow, nutrient delivery to the brain, uh, vascular, uh, you know, blood brain barrier dismantlement goes, I mean, the list is ridiculously long. So O3I and uh, BDNF are two of my favorite biometrics to determine uh, current state of uh, brain health. And is, is the O3I, the omega-3 index, is that something that people could go on like life extension or can they, is this just a blood test that they could get online and go to LabCorp and have a draw? Bingo. You know, so, well, actually they could do it at home. Uh, so yeah. we offer this. So this is the work of Dr. Bill Harris. Um, one of the most prestigious, one of the most researched uh, experts in the world of omega-3 fatty acids, which in and of themselves are only second most studied uh, compared to aspirin. Um, uh, there's over 27,000 human clinical trials done on uh, the benefits of omega-3 essential fatty acids. And, you know, kind of like eggs. I mean, they've kind of come in and out of fashion over the years, but the, the majority of the research done uh, is in positive light. Um, and again, it's not just the brain, it's the heart, it's the immune system, it's the skin, it's, it's uh, digestive function. Um, uh, it, you know, IQ, cognition, uh, I mean, it's in baby formulas now for development. Now when you actually, you know, the, there's been Cochrane reviews have changed uh, recommendations to a thousand milligrams DHA to 500 milligrams EPA during pregnancy, which reduces uh, premature uh, births and, and um, um, uh, brain uh, dysfunction uh, earlier. So there's just so much research around this. So the work of Dr. Bill Harris, who at uh, his, his company called Omega Quant, is uh, is the actual technology? Uh, we use it at Brain Armor, um, and actually, there's a there's a website. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a chief innovations officer, as you mentioned in my uh, bio at the top. Uh, for brain armor. So full disclosure, I'm working with that company, but I believe that's the cleanest, best, purest, most potent form of DHA supplementation for the brain. Um, you know, we grew up in sports, uh, work with uh, Dr. Julian Bales, uh, who uh, heads up the neurological department at North Shore University of Chicago. Um, he was uh, featured in the movie Concussion by Will Smith, uh, or with Will Smith in it, um, uh, the Dr. Omalu, he was, he was seeing this unfortunate trend in the, in the NFL of uh, post-concussive uh, injury, uh, tra traumatic brain injury. Even in MTBR or, or mild traumatic brain injury, there are white matter lesions and plaques that build up um, that ultimately it seems DHA can not only help prevent, I and mean, there's nothing that you, know, you could take and prevent uh, entirely, uh, lesions from uh, accumulating post-concussively. But it seems DHA um, is something that can actually help mitigate uh, that injury from occurring, and even in some cases seem to reverse it. Along with actually, there's a, um, some work done by uh, um, uh, on tocotrienols, which is a, sort of a certain type of uh, vitamin E that's extracted from uh, palm, palm, uh, sustainable palm, by the way, out of Malaysia. I can't speak on behalf of what they do in Africa or Indonesia. Um, uh, but this, uh, the research done on tocotrienols in reversing post-stroke white matter lesions is something that some folks might want to, to, to look into here. Uh, this is the work of, uh, uh, the doctor's name will come to mind in a second, but Ohio State University. Uh, Dr. Chandan Sen out of Ohio State University on reversing white matter lesions post-stroke. I mean, some amazing stuff in the world of natural medicine. Anyways, full circle. Um, the Living Brain Project, this is basically... Um, 
as I mentioned, we grew up in, in sport, both pro sport, NCAA and NFL and all, and, and using this on athletes. But then after, you know, this, this multiple end of one trial, um, you know, it's open up to the public. You know, you can take your O3I index at, at home. Uh, you can intervene with whatever fish oil or algal oil or vegan algal based, but it's paleo and keto friendly as well. Uh, or any fish oil that you're already taking or maybe want to start taking, but you know, you start with the O3I index and it will give you the inflammatory panel. So this arachidonic acid versus your EPA, dozens of others. But the most important thing is your omega-3 saturation within that red blood cell membrane I mentioned. It's a direct correlation to um, you know, the brain and, and brain health. So I, I recommend brain armor. That's why I'm part of the company, sit on the uh, uh, advisory board as yeah, well. Yeah, what, what dosage? Right. So it's a, it's a one, it's a two to one DHA to EPA. And a lot of the formulas on the market are, are usually the reverse. EPA is more of the anti-inflammatory uh, omega-3, whereas DHA is, is more of the structural inter- integrity of the brain, nervous system, red blood cell, heart. Um, and the equal, they're both very important molecules, but the brain, it's like brain juice. We're talking DHA. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a two to one DHA to EPA 1000, the average adult vegan strength adult is a 1000 milligram to 500 milligram, um, capsule. Uh, so you're looking at, you know, two of these twice a day and you're at therapeutic range. That's what was ultimately changing that omega-3 index, um, from, you know, a defunct, three, four, five, whatever it was, to well beyond eight. By the way, not only beyond eight, these participants may have already been taking some other omega-3 and it still bumped them. So it was 100% of the time uh, that it was improving their omega-3 index. This is Uh, great. So to recap, the the test that you recommend that you can do at home is this omega quant test. Is it is it just omegaquant.com, I would assume, or a Google search can find it? Yep, that's the work of Dr. Bill Harris. Okay. So you get the omega quant test. You figure out where you're at. If you're under eight, um, you pick up brain armor, which is your two to one DHA to EPA ratio, uh, supplement. You take two capsules twice a day. And then how long does it typically take? I I, I'm sure this would depend on where someone was at, but for let's, let's say someone is at, uh, I don't know what's the average you see people at. So between four and five, but you're asking all the right questions. So bingo, first of all, to everything you said right on, uh, but it takes about uh, between 45 and 90 days to get over that 8%. And okay. then, you're, then you're simply going to want to maintain 45 to 90 days, retest yourself to confirm. And then you just stay on that, that therapeutic dosage of, of two twice per day. Are there any downsides to taking four capsules a day? You got it. No zilch zip, nada, niente. Okay. It's all, yeah, it's all upwards from there. I mean, and again, this extends well beyond the brain. This is the heart, uh, kidney function, immune function, skin, hair, nails, uh, you know, I, I, Omega-3, as I mentioned earlier, it's been tested and retested in tens of thousands of human clinical trials and only positive benefits. Cholesterol levels, which is just a big myth anyways. Cholesterol is really not an issue uh, for most people, including centenarians, by the way, who all sport typically higher than normal cholesterol levels. Uh, so for mm-hmm. so long, we've been over-focused on cholesterol. It's you know, inflammation, 
that warrants the deposit of cholesterol to the interlumen of the artery lining. Um, so if you're too much floating around, but as it relates to cholesterol, it seems to you know really help helpfully bump up the HDL. So I think the story is much more about uh, you know particle size, uh, inflammatory index, which again this is evaluating all in one. Um, and when you know all of that, you can see that improve. I think the uh, the proofs in the pudding, and you know, the doctor is more less likely to be prescribing. If you're if you're on that verge, here's what I'm saying. Even if your doctor's still of the old school thought, where they're monitoring cholesterol, you should really have them also look at high specificity C-reactive protein, apolipoprotein A1 over B. Um, you should be looking at particle size, so LP little A. You take all that into context. Now you're actually doing some deeper dives. So this is the world of functional medicine. Um, oxidative LDL. That's a big one, right? So that's a, that you'll pay, uh, you know, for that test out of any jurisdiction uh, that you might be in with some kind of a universal healthcare in place, but worth every cent. What I'm trying to say though, is if all of those are amok and you take brain armor or an equivalent, which I think there are very few on the market, if any, you're going to see improvement across the board of all of those blood markers. This episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products, CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin, and we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate, and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product, and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrating, meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic. And then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD. And the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day. And it even decreases inflammation inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys want to check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks. I'll spell it out. T-H-E-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-M-S.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are going to absolutely love it. I mean, I think that's a great piece of advice for all of our listeners. Get yourself to 8% or higher on the omega-3 index. Um, in, in brain spanners, you talk about other cognitive assessments. Um, what, you know, what, what else would you rank high as a cognitive assessment tool for someone to figure out where they're at and, uh, and, and you know, 
what is a test that you use for diagnostics that gives you specific actionable uh, recommendations? Like I loved the the Omega Quant test and then take brain armor. Is there anything yeah. else like that or am I kind of digging for more of the same? No, this is great. No, no. So listen, so that's on the biometric side. Like that's the biochemistry. Of, it's a snapshot of, of the now. I mean, that, that changes, you know, week to week, month to month. Um, but still important to track. Then there's the genetics, and we'll get we'll get into that. We'll get into a little bit more than we even already discussed so far as it pertains to executive function. Um, but there's also, I mean, if you really suspect that you or a loved one has a significant decline in brain function, uh, don't be hesitant. I mean, you know, uh, I'm from Toronto, uh, Canada. Um, I'm not sure where are you exactly. Right now in Chicago, but I just bought land in uh, North Carolina, about 90 minutes nice. west of Asheville. Nice. Very, very nice area. So I've got, yeah, family in the Black Hills of North Dakota and I've traveled throughout and, and also in North Carolina. Um, oh, nice. Uh, my... My I dual citizenship uh, to the U.S. because my father was born and raised in Chicago. So I have a sister who's there, actually. Nice, uh, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. So 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 we're your neck of the woods. You're going to pay for this. We have a universal health care establishment here in Canada, but I'm not sure where I'm in, sort of in the middle as to what's better. That's a political sort of uh, discussion for another time. But for now, if you can get to one, um, have a hippocampal volume MRI as a baseline. Nothing wrong with whatever it's convenient for you um, and for any of your listeners for that matter. So what does that do? That tells us the size of the most important memory uh, and the organ, the hippocampus, memory and new ability to learn. As I mentioned, you take care of things like BDNF and your overall brain health from everything we've been discussing so far, including the O3i, then you will continue not only to preserve the ability of that hippocampus, you will actually grow it, my friend. It is growable. <laughs> and so that's the latest science. And so hippocampal volume baselines, like anything else you would baseline, so that in the next you know, year or two when you go back, an MRI, by the way, is non-radiation. It's not like a CT um, or, you know, you don't have to use contrast for this, but it's a, uh, you know, it's just a magnetic resonance imaging of the size of that most important organ in your brain. And so if you start to see that decline over time, well, then hell, you better get, you know, more on top of things. That's, so that's, that's a physical uh, established, you know, baseline. Um, I love uh, the work of the Cambridge Brain Sciences uh, Division. Um, this is at Cambridge University. Um, they have... We're going to have this up and running actually on Brain Spanner soon. They have uh, this really cool, essentially, you know, uh, gamified uh, assessments where you know you're, you're looking to uh, remember certain patterns or certain words. Uh, but uh, uh, this work has uh, they've they've looked at over eighty thousand um, humans and discerned you know where they may not answer as. Uh, uh, optimally as they should, given age, gender, et cetera. Uh, it, it will help track, again, over time, it'll help track your, your, your baseline cognitive abilities and where things might be either regressing or progressing. So it's another beautiful so Cambridge Brain Sciences. Um, uh, and then I, I, I mentioned I come back full circle to the genetics, so it's a little more in depth. So w when we look at executive function, we're almost just sort of focusing on mood and behavior. Um, so as I mentioned, we're looking at 5-HTTLPR for serotonin. Uh, we're looking at the DRD2 for dopamine. 
uh, we're looking at ADRA 2B, which, uh, which basically uh, results in the production and regulation of adrenaline, noradrenaline. Um, we're looking at COMPT or catecholomethyltransferase, which is basically as it relates to, there's also a relationship to the hormones, but as it pertains to uh, brain and executive function, it's uh, think of it as the uncoupling speed of your catecholamines. So, you know, again, dopamine would be one. How quickly does it release at what amount, but then how fast is it uncoupled from the postsynaptic uh, neurotransmitter docket? Um, and then we're also looking at BDNF, as I mentioned. That's all executive function, but guess what? How your glymphatic system detoxifies matters hugely. Mm -hmm. Hugely. And by the way, it only happens at night. And that's where you probably had multiple guests on talking about sleep hygiene, because it only mm -hmm. happens at night, optimal circadian rhythm in a cool environment. Your brain doesn't have lymph, it has glymph or glial cells. And these glial cells literally, so you've, you've got 86 billion thinking cells called neurons, but then you've got all these glial cells, non-thinking neurons that move around, sweep up the mess and uh, throw this out, right? You have to be able to do that. This is actually probably the number one reason why we have to sleep. Uh, scientists are coming to realize this. It's not just to reset and rest and, and help repair the body. It's for the brain to be able to throw away the trash. And this is entirely reliant on the super family of glutathione as transferase genes, right? So your detox genes, GSTT1, GSTM1, and GSTP1, and their functionality as it relates to helping the brain. So you, you might have the proper amount of glial cells, they might be doing their work, but if they kind of throw the trash away here, that doesn't go anywhere. Um, this is, we affectionately refer to this, of course, as phase one, two, and three. I kind of, you know, for anyone out there listening that doesn't have any background in detoxification, this is not some ethereal, hokey sort of thing we do in natural medicine. Everyone detoxifies every second of every day, mm -hmm. but some do it way better than others. And we all need to do it during sleep. We all need to do a better job of it during sleep because we're all more bombarded than we've ever been before. And I don't mean just post-industrial age. And, you know, I don't just mean pesticides and heavy metals and waterways and dioxins and furans and PCPs. I mean, I'm talking about stress. I'm talking about poor diets and, and diets, even if you're eating organic, how, you know, our, our, our minerals are in deficiency. So we look at these and we amplify, by the way, I got to say one of my favorite supplements of all time is glutathione, especially when indicated. And there's, you know, N-acetylglutathione, there's liposomal glutathione, there's mycelized glutathione. There's a, this is a North American wide half a billion dollar industry. Half a billion dollars has been estimated is spent on glutathione. That doesn't work. <laughs> it does. So think about this for a second. So the, how glutathione works is by intracellular glutathione upregulating so as to empower the mitochondria and then, of course, affect the GST genes in order to downstream phase two, throw away the trash. And again, I was going to use a simple analogy that I refer to my patients with. You're in the, you're in the kitchen, you're making dinner, um, and you've got three options to sort of you know, compartmentalize the trash. You've got you know, uh, combustible, you've got uh, bio... Um, You've got uh, the compost, uh, you've got recyclable, and you've got true trash. Okay, so that's phase one. You're, you, you eat and you throw the trash in these buckets. Phase two is when you get them to the garage or wherever they're going to sit, right? Before hopefully phase three, the city comes and picks them up. But that phase two, out of the house, out of your body, out of the house, uh, that is imperative and relies on the superfamily of glutathione as transferase genes and superoxide dismutase and, and, and some others. But so to this day, you know, this whole theory around increasing glutathione, either by oral supplementation 
or by injection, which by the way, I've been guilty of for decades. You know, it's not that I'm guilty of it. We still do it under certain circumstances, but what we're doing is increasing extracellular glutathione. Extracellular glutathione, because of that threshold, there is literally a thousand times more intracellular glutathione than there is extracellular naturally occurring, doesn't matter what impediments you have genetically, that by supplementing with it or injecting it, it won't work. Plain and simple. What does work, and this is some really cool research come out of uh, Australia just a couple of years ago, glytine or gamma-glutamyl cysteine. Glytine, this molecule, which is a dipeptide, and of course, glutathione is a tripeptide. You increase this extracellularly, you're no longer dealing with that ionic gradient of a thousandfold. It will go into the cell. Once it gets into the cell, it automatically starts to increase glutathione because it's the direct precursor of which, along with N-acetylcysteine, is a limiting step, right? But you can increase extracellular glytine by taking it, and that will directly increase glutathione. So I don't know, it's one of the best finds of the year. By the way, besides being a clinician, I travel the world. I do these B2B documentaries. They're not well seen uh, by the general public, but I've done dozens where I'm boots on the ground in the manufacturers of the ingredients that supply the consumer-facing brands. So I'm like that ingredient investigator. And I do that. So of course, this, this ingredient manufacturer, it might be IP or it might be generic commodity, but they're supplying you know, the rest of the world, the rest of the various markets uh, with their particular ingredients. So I do like the deep dive on it. I couldn't care less. I mean, I care about brands, over-the-counter brands. I'll talk to them, but only speak to them because I know what's on the label. And I know that what's on the label has been evidenced. And there's some, not just safety efficacy, but purity, potency, transparency, traceability. I've got, got this whole uh, criteria. And glycine passes a snuff test. You know, like until that point, I was using you know, liposomal, uh, the best I could, and some of the precursors like N-acetylcysteine, alpha-lipoic acid, and selenium. Uh, but this is one of my favorite finds of the recent... Uh, recent That's pretty exciting. I, so I have not used or even heard of glytine being used uh, as, a, as a precursor for glutathione. Um, we've used, and I've personally used coffee enemas for a long time. There's a, a good amount of use of like grass-fed whey protein mm -hmm. to boost glutathione. Um, is glycine something that you personally take? Uh, what dosages do you recommend? Do you, well, do now you I do. dig into it? <laughs> do, do you dive into it more in, in your brain spanners book? Uh, I don't because I didn't know about it until uh, you know, I, I just after I wrote that. So I talk about glutathione, the importance of it, especially as it pertains to what variation you might have, not just SNPs, okay, like the single nucleotide polymorphism variation. Um, by the way, I, I, don't, I don't know how often you've interviewed anyone who has a, you know, a, a, a deep understanding of genomics. I don't pretend to be a genomist, but I do have a good understanding of genes and genomics. Um, it, it just gets me a little bit. Once again, we're back to semantics when people say, I've got the mutation of. We all have SNPs. It's just what variation of that SNP do you have? But furthermore, we have copy number variations of that superfamily of glutathione as transferase. So it's like a copy variation versus a SNP variation. So you should receive one copy from mom and one copy from dad. You've got two copies of that most important GSTT1 gene to manufacture glutathione, regardless of how much you know, whey or protein or you know, balanced amino acid profile you have. You're able to make, some people only have one, less efficient. Uh, some people, many have zero, you know, off camera, before we started this, I was telling you a little bit about my practice, seeing a lot of Lyme disease cases. 
I can't even begin to tell you how many of these individuals are just horrible detoxifiers. So it's not so much that, you know, that, that the infection, once again, the biggest component of their human health threshold is their inability to detoxify. The infection and being bitten by the tick was the straw that broke the camel's back, right? So we identify this, you know, I try, you know, and often, by the way, injecting them, IV glutathione pushes wouldn't, would often actually make them worse. I had to really be small and slow and safe. But yeah. this glycine, you asked me, am I taking it? I am. I'm taking it uh, in the form of something called continual G. They own a lot of the proprietary around this. And, uh, and the science is solid. The human clinical trials are solid. I mean, we're t- by the way, exercise recovery is enhanced by glutathione detoxification, that whole pathway, uh, sharpness of mind and brain. Look, look, I've, I have, I'll admit to you and the world, um, I, I've got a couple of little uh, vexes uh, or sorry, uh, weaknesses. Uh, first is if I ever, if I'm in a restaurant and, 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 and if, I, if, if I see French fries that have truffle oil on them, or on the menu, like truffle French fry, I'm, I'm getting them. Like I just, that's a weakness. The other one is red wine. I love my red wine. I'll tell you, if I have that combo, even though I've identified, I've got two GSTG genes. So if I have a couple extra glasses of red wine and I've had that crap dinner, next morning, I'll just have a little bit of that sort of lack of sharpness. Like I'll just know the difference. I'll feel a little bit swollen and I'll just be not myself. I'm not in my game. It's been proven. So within 90 minutes of taking that stuff, it's in a powder with a little bit of dextrose, 90 minutes, 60 to 90 minutes, actually, glutathione has increased tenfold or more production, intracellular glutathione. And the way you, the way you analyze that and the way they've done the human clinical trials is lymphocytic glutathione, lymphocytes. So by the way, it's also incredibly important for the immune system. So recovery time, immune system, brain function, of course, general detoxification. I mean, if you have a chronic disease, if you have a chronic condition, I will blanket statement this, you have detox problems seeded primarily within glutathione. I mean, there's other things that, of course, help the, the, the pathway. That's but, huge. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, that's huge. And, and this is, you know, um, you just reminded me, Dr. Rashid Buttar, I heard him say something where... Uh, he has not had a single child who was dealing with uh, autism uh, that did not improve from uh, basically detoxing heavy metals, specifically mercury. He's like all of them, mercury, all of aluminum, them. cadmium. You know, yep. so so if you don't mind, can we switch gears real quick? As you mentioned, autism to methylation, just real quick. Yeah, sure. So 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 methylation, as we know, can almost synonymously equate this with inflammation. Uh, not the same type as you know the O3I and, and EPA DHA might mitigate. So it's, so it's good. By the way, I, this is another thing. Just like as the concept of hormesis goes, not all inflammation is bad. Like you, that cytokine response we were talking about earlier, you want that. You want pro-inflammatory. You want uh, you want your interleukin six ramped up in the face of infection, just not overly ramped up, right? You want IL one. You want uh, TNF. You want you want IL twelve to come in there soon enough thereafter to sweep up the mess and dampen the, uh, the of that inflammatory response. Again, immune modulation, but without inflammation. We don't work. It's just that it's, it's often cases in chronic disease too much for too long, just like stress, which, by the way, can upregulate inflammation. But when we're dealing with autism and we talk about genomics, you know, what, 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 what I wouldn't quite use, it wouldn't quite you know, say infuriates me, but really gets me is um, the massive amounts of people that look at one gene. 
the methyl tetrahydrofolate variant, the SNP that's the MTHFR variant. Methylation is not about one gene. Methylation is about primarily five, if not six most important genes, and then a bunch of others. And yes, it relates to how you know, folic acid is methylated and B12 supports that. But we're talking about MTHFR and SHMT1. Those are two key genes as it relates to folic acid. Then we're talking about MTR, MTRR, and FUT2, or fecal transferase. So we're at least five genes now that are in this cycle that you know, basically recycle B12 and folic acid. Well, guess what? If you discover that the SNP variation in an autistic child for the MTHFR is the poor variation, and you give them 5-methyltetrahydrofolate in supplement form, but don't know what their SHMT1 gene is, you can hypermethylate them. And that's probably 15% of the time. So you make them worse. So you want, in the case that that is the case, you got to go downstream and you have to supplement them with folinic acid, which doesn't require, it's not giving that, you know, the CH3, that methyl group. It's not, so it's, 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 so it's, I, I refer to this with my patients simply as a, as a, as a, uh, uh, as a relay race where the methyl group is the baton, right? We're often dropping that baton. Of course, you disqualify. So you're just trying to get that baton to your next racer, of which there are five in this instance. And so downstream, if you're unsure and you don't even want to test your genes and you, you think you have a problem with inflammation, which probably resides in detox and methylation. So here it is. Once again, blanket statement, probably ideal to supplement high dose with DHA, EPA, add glutathione in the form of glycine, then add folinic, not folic, mark my words, NIC, folinic acid to your regime. And in terms of B12, not cyanocobalamin, not methylcobalamin, but adenosylcobalamin. Now you're going downstream for all of these components, right? You're just like passing, go collect your 200 bucks. There it is. That, so that, that was gold guys. If, if, if you zoned out for a little bit, or maybe you're driving, um, I just want to recap because that, that there was a lot of, uh, knowledge bombs there. If you're dealing with chronic illness or just want to improve brain health, get your omega-3 index score, take, go to brainarmor.com to get, uh, Bryce's two to one ratio of DHA to EPA supplement, take two caps, two soft gels twice per day, get yourself to an 8% or higher. Boost your glutathione with continual G. And then if you've been dealing with chronic health issues, um, keep doing those things, but also add to it folinic acid and adenosyl cobalamin. Anything I missed? No, you got it, man. That's, That's huge. That's, that's going to you know, help that, a lot of people. That's the quick and dirty. I, I still highly recommend getting your genes tested. And I don't mean, I mean, there's useful biohacks around getting your 20. What, what's your favorite one for people at home? So I, I and once again, I got to be above board and, and fully, uh, uh, you know, uh, descriptive here is that my involvement, as you mentioned in my bio with nutrients and the DNA company. So this is the work of Dr. Uh, Mansour Mohammed, uh, double PhD, UCLA Baylor, um, I revere him as probably one, not just as a mentor, uh, who's taught me most of what I know about functional genomics, by the way. Uh, but he's like one, probably top five in the world as it pertains to uh, clinical and functional genomics. So just having said that, um, th the work behind nutrients, uh, the company I co-founded, is to use and leverage his IP within genomics. And then my IP was then to, at each of these different parts, 
within, again, it's, it's, it's a cascade of, of a biologically relevant functional genomics. This is not looking at this SNP and this SNP and, you know, piecemealing it. This is pathway genomics. Um, so my intervention was what are those ingredients that specifically to those different pathways will either up or down regulate them um, naturally? And, uh, and so that was my, that's nutrients. I mean, so the DNA company is the best place to get genetically tested in my opinion for all these genes. Um, but nutrients is ultimately the one, what can I do to intervene from a supplemental perspective? And that's, so that's if, 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 if our listeners were to go to nutrients.com, they would be able to get the genetic test that you use and recommend. You got it. Got it. Awesome. And guys, if, if you've gotten value from this episode, like let, let Dr. Bryce know by going to brainspanners.com, B-R-A-I-N-S-P-A-N-N-E-R-S.com, pick up his book. Like we're just scratching the surface of all the great stuff that he's gotten there. And uh, this is how we reciprocate and let people know that we appreciate them taking the time to share the wisdom that it's taken him decades to, uh, to accumulate. Um, Bryce, if I may, one last question, and then we'll kind of bring it home on where everyone can follow you. And uh, I, I think you've probably inspired a lot of our listeners to pick up your book just, just in your generosity and, uh, and, and some of this gold that you've been dropping. Um, let's talk about unconventional brain hacks for cognitive enhancement. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll kind of get the ball rolling. And then um, some of the ones that have made a huge difference for me, transcranial magnetic stimulation, oh, that man. one uh, using, using the brain's way machine. I noticed a massive difference from that. I, I don't feel the same if I don't get a good sweat in, particularly a little bit of, of cardio. It's BDNF, um, my friend. That's BDNF. Yep, yep. And uh, and and vinpocetine. You know, there's there's a lot more that that I've found helpful, but the my brain and and verbal recall and articulation seems to be a lot better with a little bit of that periwinkle plant in the mix. Um, but we've got people that you know, I know a lot of guys that take modafinil or X Y Z. What what are some of the things that like you don't maybe share with the, the, the lay audience, but, uh, you know, when you and your buddies are talking behind closed doors, you're like, have you tried this? This is pretty rad stuff. <laughs> I'll Peptides, tell you something. I'll tell you, yeah, there's, well, you know, so, so that's, that's a pretty easy one to answer. I'm, I'm really intrigued with, uh, some of the work that's coming down the pipe around, uh, psilocybin. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, yep. I gotta say, although I haven't done or taken it myself, uh, because, you know, it's all about finding the right guide and set and setting, but I've read the book, uh, by Michael Paul and how to change your mind. I, I endorse that book. Um, I think Paul Stamets, there's a lot you can learn from him and, you know, he's mm-hmm. done some really cool podcasts with Joe Rogan. Um, you got to get him on the show. The guy is just a genius. He's a mycologist and, uh, you know, the, what he talks to you about mushrooms will blow your mind. Um, so, so I got to say, although I haven't taken it, I'm intrigued. I got to learn more, but so, so what I don't know, I mean, it's an interesting question because I often don't not share, but I will say this to your TDCS, I would add PEMF. So this is the, uh, electromagnetic frequency pulsed electromagnetic frequency, which has been shown to increase microcirculation of which again, you know, your, your, your vessels, your carotid artery goes into, you know, branched and then smaller and smaller into these micro vessels, which by the way, is uh, the primary um, blood brain barrier area. It's not like an invisible barrier. It doesn't allow certain things into and out from your nervous uh, system within your brain through these micro capillaries. So sometimes increasing uh, circulation, improving circulation uh, can help mental clarity Um, to your uh, periwinkle plant, the vinca minor, uh, I would probably add bacopa. I mean, taking Mm. these, these are just all complementary to what you just said, but you know what, in the, in the, in the, 
the brain is not just biochemistry and genes and you know exercise and things you can do physically. Very early on, we almost got into you know stress and, and you know, meditation and mindfulness as a you know you mentioned as part of your daily routine. It's something you did today when I asked you what have you done for your brain today. But but there's there's, there's this realm of um, uh, Ericksonian psychology that not a lot of people have heard about um, within the within a sub realm of neuro linguistic programming NLP, mm -hmm. and I love this stuff. But here's one small anyone can use this technique. It's it's called a 24 hour ahead or 24 uh, hour edit. So we are you know beings of habit. Um, we very much, our brains work in ways where, you know, stress is survivalistic. We consider certain, uh, instances that, um, uh, you know, one might describe as stressful and another might describe as, as, uh, you know, easy. And a lot of that's actually based in that ADRA 2B gene, that adrenaline and noradrenaline gene I was telling you about earlier, but here's what I'd say about this. Anyone can do this practice where at night before going to sleep, they draw out three columns on a piece of paper. First column is expectations. Second column is a column of what I call edits. And the third column is a column of outcome. So we all have preconceived notions. So just for the next 24 hours ahead, uh, if I asked you, you could tell me what you're going to be doing tomorrow, beside perhaps another podcast. You're going to wake up in the morning, you're going to get exercise, you're going to have a black coffee, you're going to take your vitamins. You already told me that's how I know. Those are your preconceived notions likely for tomorrow, for creatures of habit. But there might be situations within your preconceived tomorrow that had you not thought about it would just naturally occur out of bad habit. Or maybe you're in a meeting, or maybe you're in a cer certain situation or circumstance where the thinking about it, the emote, the emotion around that is not optimal. It's not ideal. So the, the point is to analyze the next 24 hours ahead, kind of like you're an editor of a movie. You're going to write 20 or 10 or 20 different items along the um, expectation column. Again, our expectations are only known to us if we think about them, these preconceived notions. Otherwise, they just transpire out of subconsciousness and behavior and patterning without thinking about it. So now we're thinking about it, we're a column, we're itemizing it. The next column is very key to this process. It's called the edit. And the edit is all about how, as a resourceful person, you are gonna optimize that search situation or circumstance or event. Let's talk about it in context of diet, right? So, you know, we're gonna to try to get to, you know, 16 hours or whatever it is for you, uh, 18 hours fasting. Uh, and then your first meal uh, of the day is going to be X. For so, so, so from other people, um, if they didn't think about it, it would be 12 hours and then I'm going to have my bowl of cereal. Right? So having thought about it and then realizing what I learned today is that I should develop you know, 16 to 18 hour fast and the first meal I should have should be protein, high fiber, high good quality fat rich. The, and, then, and then playing that over and over in your head, the likelihood of the latter transpiring is very high compared to just not having thought about it at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, might be a lousy explanation, but the point is, think about it. Think about it and be the editor of your own day. 24 hours ahead, like the editor of a movie, go through each of those points, recreate outcomes. Nothing short of self-fulfilling prophecy here, folks, right? But recreate those experiences, even the emotions attached to them, play them over and over in your head. Now, here's where it gets really powerful, and it's related to neuroplasticity. The more you do this, ultimately, and the more you, you know, the next night before you repeat that, uh, preconceived notion list and then edit list. The last, as you heard me say, the last column is an outcome. So now what you do is you analyze, did, was the outcome like my preconceived notions or was it more like my edit? 
six, seven, eight times out of 10, easily, it's going to be how you edited it, right? And the neuroplastic component is that the more you do that, the more you're creating channels of connectivity in your head that you control your next 24 hours. You're in control, not the preconceived notions. So, so we're so creatures of habit and you know, predictive you know, uh, probability. If I ask the majority, very intelligent people, well, let me ask you, if I flip a coin a thousand times and each time it lands on tails, what are the chances it's gonna next time I flip it land on heads? Well, still 50-50. Every single time. Unless and yet, you got a weighted coin, which I'd be wondering. Bingo. <laughs> but and yet, and yet, and yet, if you ask the average intelligent person that they've had three or maybe four or five, some insignificant number of negative events in context of a particular situation, will that happen again? They're going to say, yep. But it's only happened five times. We're not even near the law of probability that require you know, high numbers. So our brains work like that, right? It, that's just how they're, they're created that way. We get into that, but we don't have time. The point is, is that if you take those preconceived notions, something that's happened to you five or six or even a hundred times, does not mean it'll happen the same way again, so long as you recreate the outcome. You have to edit that sequence. So NLP, check it out. That's the last little bit of amazing, that, that NLP sequence, Ericksonian psychology, creating your day ahead. I think the brain uh, is easily influenced by that and uh, probably easily as much as any of these other ingredients as we described. I love it. I love it. Guys, if you've got value from this episode and you appreciate the, uh, the knowledge bombs Dr. Bryce Wild has brought, go to brainspanners.com, B-R-A-I-N-S-P-A-N-N-E-R-S.com. Pick up his book. If, you, uh, <laughs> if you're not already taking an omega-3, or even if you are, it seems like brain armor would be a wise addition in order to get your omega-3 index up. Lots of amazing stuff here. Uh, thank you so much for your time, my friend. This has been, hey, man. This has been a pleasure. And, Thanks for having uh, me on. I appreciate everything. I, I, I love everything you're doing and uh, keep up the great work. I appreciate yes. you. Thank you. Likewise, my friend. Right. Likewise. Thank you. All the best. Cheers. What's up, guys? Anthony here. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted and all day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one -on -one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, Candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like 
like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. 